0: And so what we're going to do is begin looking uh, specifically at the person and the teachings of Jesus. And uh, I think for all sorts of reasons, some just incredibly obvious, that this is a time. If there ever was a time, um, this this is a time to, to really think fix our eyes on Jesus with so much upheaval, so much fear, so much um, pain, so much going on in our world. If there was ever a time to take a deep breath, to still ourselves and to simply look to our Lord, look to our King, look to our Savior, this is it. Um, And I'm speaking especially to, to fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, when it feels like the, the storms of life are just beginning to overwhelm your soul, we're called to fix our eyes on Jesus. So I want us to look to Jesus. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. and I think that's what's so powerful about this picture. And the way we're going to do that practically over the next uh, couple months at least, um, this summer, is we're going to look at different moments in the life of Jesus and specifically, his parables, um, the stories that he tells to illustrate uh, what his kingdom is like—the kingdom that he is establishing—the kingdom that's like that's otherworldly. Um, the the way he teaches us to uh, to overcome storms and to to react to 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 adversity and and how to engage with all of the difficult complexities of life. Um, these are all given to us in these incredible stories that we call parables that Jesus taught. So that's what we're gonna do for the next couple of months as we work our way through summer. We're gonna look at the parables of Jesus. And this morning, the very first parable that I want us to look at is actually located um, just a, a couple of pages back and that is Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 24, the parable of the weeds. Um, Let me read it to you. It says he put another parable before them. Jesus told them another parable saying the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also and the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, no, Lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first, bind them into bundles to be burned. Gather the wheat into my barn. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for these incredible stories that you've told us of, of your kingdom, what it's like to, to live as citizens of your kingdom, um, even now in this world, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to be able to receive from you this morning. And Holy spirit, we welcome you to be our teacher in Jesus name. Amen. The parable of the weeds. What's it all about? Um, fortunately, uh, Jesus actually goes on, um, we're told just a couple paragraphs later that after the crowds left, his disciples came to him and they said, Jesus, please, can you explain this specific parable to us? And he does. And it's very simple. And he says, well, the, 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 it says that the, the one who sows the good seed, this is the son of man. This, this is the Messiah. I, I am the one who sows good seed in the field. The field is the world. Um, the enemy is the enemy of God, the evil one, Satan. And he sows bad seeds. And the weeds that come up, these are sons of the evil one, as he puts it. The weeds are sons and daughters of the evil one. And he says at the end of the age, there will be a harvest time and God will send uh, the reapers who are the angels and they will gather up all the weeds to be burned at the end of the age. But the son of man will send the angels to gather into his kingdom all of the sons and daughters of God, those who have repented and put their faith in him as their savior, um, just to summarize it. This is the simple meaning of the parable. What does this mean for us? Um, how do we apply this to our lives? How do we actually uh, respond to the world that we're living in today with all of the growth in the garden as it were and 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 the weeds around us and 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 what are we to make of this how, how are we to actually apply this to our lives um, I find this to be an extremely relevant parable uh, for our 21st first century American reality let me share a few points number one um we live in a world where good and evil exists um parables are i guess traditionally or 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 bible teachers typically emphasize the the point that parables usually have one singular emphasis or point i don't know if that's entirely true because i could i could think of at least a couple of parables that are multi-layered and have multiple points um, but for sure there, there's a, there's a primary point that he wants to make, but within that there are, there's some other truths that I think we, we simply mustn't overlook. And one of them is simply that in the parable of the weeds, there are, there are, there's good and there's evil. There's the, the good seeds that were sown and that they, they grow up to be wheat that's harvested for grain and that's good. But then within the field, there's the evil one has come an enemy has come and sowed bad seed. And that produces weeds. And of course, if anyone's ever attempted to like grow grass or do any gardening, uh, the weeds aren't neutral. The, the weeds are actually there to choke out what would otherwise be good um, fruit, flowers, things that you want to see growing your garden and world. And so right at the very outset, we are challenged with the truth that in this world there is good, And there is evil and i think we do well to speak plainly about the reality of good and evil certain things in this life and i don't it it feels weird that anyone actually has to make this argument these days but people debate about this all the time what is evil? Does evil exist? Is it just some sort of like philosophical, moral construct and evil is really just relative and it's a matter of culture and opinion, et cetera, et cetera. And I I get that because I also took philosophy 101 and yet there's also reality. There is the human experience and consensus that I believe says without apology that evil exists. It's real. Certain things are objectively evil. Killing innocent, vulnerable, defenseless humans is evil. Stealing, lying, uh adultery, being unfaithful, uh killing, murdering, betraying and I could go on and on and on, but there's just certain things in our human experience that don't need to be qualified. They're um, they objectively evil. Now, that doesn't mean we just throw nuance out of the window and that doesn't mean there's not complexity to these things and experiences in life. There, there, there is absolutely 100%. And yet, as the story begins, we are introduced to the reality uh, that there is good and evil. The second point is actually a question, and it's the question that the servants, the workers of the field, uh, ask themselves, um, or really ask the, the owner of the field, their master, they say, who did this? Where did these weeds come from? And they even question their master as if to imply like, master, did you do this? Like, we thought you planted good seeds, but now we're looking at this field of yours, this world you created, as it were, And what's up with the weeds? Did you do this? And so they ask the question, where did the evil come from? Where did the weeds come from? These, these other sort of alien plants that seem to want to choke out what's good. Where do they come from? And of course the master answers quite simply. And he says, an enemy, has done this. I have an enemy. He came while you were sleeping, while you were unaware, and he sowed bad seed. He sowed evil in an otherwise good world. And now we're seeing the weeds spring up. Reminds me of the, um, the question that was asked not too long ago. Why can't we all just get along? Why can't we just get along? Why can't, if we're all just basically good people, if when it gets right down to it, all humans are essentially good, why can't we just get along? And I believe it's because, at least in part, and forgive me, I don't mean to uh, oversimplify life, but I will simply say, the reason why we can't get along, the reason why we've been killing each other, since the beginning, since Cain and Abel in that garden, is because evil exists. Because the kingdom of God doesn't exist in an ideological vacuum, God has an enemy. And that enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy every human on the planet. The enemy does not discriminate. The devil hates humans. The devil hates life. The devil wants to do whatever he or it can to exploit every hurt, every offense, every sinful, selfish tendency that exists in the heart of man to see the whole human race wiped out. This enemy hates life. That's why we can't get along. Do we make choices? Am I responsible for my sin? Absolutely. 100%. And does God have an enemy? Yes. Yes. What are we to do? What are we to do? This is what comes next in the story. The servants asked their master, so where did the weeds come from? Who's responsible? Did you do this? No, I have an enemy. I have an enemy. And he came and sowed these seeds. So what do we do? Shall we go and uproot all the weeds? Shall we go gather them and deal with them right here and right now? And of course, the answer is no, no, don't do that. But why not, but why not? Why not pull up the weeds? Why not attack? Why not retaliate? Why not, why not um, see right? done. Why? Why wouldn't we? Why not purge the field? Why not take back the power? Why not pull these weeds up, deal with them here and now? It reminds me of, um, I think it's in uh, Luke, Luke chapter 9, uh, Peter or James and John go to Jesus uh, because they've just left a Sumerian town. So the Samaritans are sort of like, um, they, they're kind of a, they're historically Jews that ended up sort of intermarrying with people of Samaria, foreign nations. So in the eyes of the Jews, they would have been like a mixed race. And uh, there was major, major animosity. Maybe you could call it racism, um, but whatever it was, it was extreme prejudice. And so Jesus is trying to like do something in the Samaritan town and they outright reject him simply because he's a Jewish rabbi, just because he's Jewish, full stop. So James and John come to Jesus and they're like obviously indignant and they say, Jesus, do you want us to call down fire from heaven? We will call down fire from heaven right now. You say the word and we'll just, we'll call it down. We'll tear these weeds up here and now. And Jesus says, no, don't do it. It's not time. Not yet. It's not time. Because I'm not done. No, don't tear up the weeds because if you do, you're going to end up up a bunch of wheat with those weeds. Uh, because in fact, you don't really even know for sure at this stage, what's actually the beginning of wheat or what's just a weed waiting to mature and choke out whatever it's around, whatever is around it. Don't do it. Don't do it because I'm not done. And what do we do? This is obviously, um, if you've not kind of connected the dots yet, um, this speaks directly to our current cultural moment. If Jesus says, yeah, there's evil in the world for sure. He's not denying that there's weeds and he's not somehow trying to uh, like uh, justify the weeds. Oh, they're really not that bad. Like, you know, you'll get used to them or you just, you know, just need to be, just, just, just be, you know, let's just all get along. It's like, no, no, no. Like the weeds are bad. They don't belong there. In fact, my enemy has sown them there. Uh, they're the result of evil. And like, I am going to deal with them, but not now, because if you do it now, you might end up, uprooting what is actually meant to grow up and be fruitful, a part of of my good creation, my kingdom. Don't do it, but it only begs the question, then what? What are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do when we're trying to live a peaceful life and our little patch, our little garden, our little field, and we're trying to love our neighbors, and we're trying to do right, and we're we're trying to 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 honor our God and to and to and to love the people around us, and yet there's weeds growing up around us choking out what's good. Evil seems to just be be, be running rampant, it's unchecked, and you're saying don't do anything about it, don't pull them up, don't retaliate, don't take back the power, don't then then what? then what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? That's the question. That's the question that I've been reading online. It's the question of brothers and sisters, fellow Christians in Christ have been, have been posting in so many words, and don't, don't take this wrong. I'm not, I don't mean this as, as judgment, um, but I am slightly taken aback at how many of my brothers and sisters uh, Christians uh, don't seem to have any idea like, well, what are we supposed to do? What is the answer? Well, number one, we have to look to Jesus. We have to just simply stop. Before we, we try to apply any principle or, or enforce any policy or, or, or any of that, we need to simply take a deep breath, be still, and fix our eyes on Jesus and say, Jesus, now What? Would you call us to come to you? Would you call us to go? Would you call us to speak? Would you call us to, what? What? what's the plan? What's the move, Jesus? So we begin there. And of course, we know that Jesus doesn't change. He's not fickle. He's not this way at one time and, and, and this way another. So we don't have to just simply just wait, kind of wondering like, ooh, I wonder what he's going to say this time. Um, no, I, I think we can be much more confident than that. But it does begin from a posture of peace comes when Jesus is present. When the prince of peace is present by his spirit in a place, in a life, in a situation, in a storm, that's where peace begins. So we look to Jesus. We look to Jesus in the storm. We might be tempted, and and rightly so, we might be tempted to say, hey, Jesus, shall I call down fire? Like right now, like this is this is bad, right? This is evil, right? And she says, Yeah, absolutely, you're right. Alright, so fire now, yes, weed's coming up. Like, are we gonna do this? And Jesus says, No, not yet. It's not time. Be patient. I don't want anyone to perish. I'm not done. What you might think of as a weed now. I still have a plan for, there is still time, there is still hope, not yet. So what do we do then? Let me say something very, very clearly. Brother and sister in Christ, fellow Christian, we are not pacifists. I know I just pulled some triggers, but let me say it again. We are not pacifists. We are called to fight. We are called to wage war. We are called to pick up our weapons and charge into the battle. We are called to fight. We are called to pick up arms. We are called to do battle. We are called to engage the enemy. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We are not pacifists because Jesus doesn't call us to just simply do nothing, just to simply passively sit there silently. Thank you. May I have another? No, he doesn't. There's nothing passive about the Christian life. In fact, over and over and over, particularly throughout the New Testament, are these pictures of like fight the good fight go to battle engage in warfare but the weapons of our warfare are not of this world we fight different we don't fight like everyone else is fighting or oh, we fight the people of god are called to be radically aggressive we charge the front line we rush into the battle We are warriors of light and our God is a mighty warrior who leads the fight. But if I can say it again, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We fight a very, very different fight. Reminds me of the, uh, the story of Ananias. This is in the the book of Acts, I think Acts chapter 9. God meets a man named Ananias. And he says, Ananias, I have a little job for you. I want you to go find uh, a house that belongs to a man named Judas on a street called Straight. And in this house, you're going to find a man named Saul of Tarsus. I want you to pray for him. And Ananias, he says, well, God, are you not aware of all of the evil? It's the word he uses of all the evil that's been done to our people at the hands of this man, this Saul of Tarsus. And God responds in so many words. He says, are you not aware that this man is my chosen instrument? That I'm not done with this murderer? I'm not done with this man that has been oppressing my people? That have been killing my people? That have been arresting and beating and abusing my people? Are you not aware that this man is my chosen instrument? Now go. I want you to pray for him. I want you to lay your hands on him and pray that his eyes might be open because he is my chosen vessel and I need him to know how much he's going to suffer for my sake. I'm sending him on a mission. God was not done with Saul, who you might know became Paul, who talked a lot about fighting the good fight. But our weapons are not carnal. We fight by overcoming evil with good. We fight by loving our enemies with an aggressive, dare I say, violent love. A love that doesn't shrink back, but a love that overcomes. We love by blessing those who curse us. We love by praying for those who persecute us. We fight by using the weapons that come from God's own heart. We love our enemies. We lay our life down for those who would better, uh, who would love to see us dead. We follow the pattern left for us by our savior whom he was being murdered ruthlessly, mercilessly being executed on a Roman cross, cried out for mercy. He cried out on behalf of his murderers, that God might forgive them, that they would experience mercy because it wasn't too late for them either, because God wasn't done with them either. And he didn't call us to retaliate. He didn't call us to take vengeance. He called us to lay our lives down, to love with an aggression, to cry out for mercy for our enemies, to bless those who curse us, and to pray for those who would otherwise be our enemies. This is the way of Jesus. This is the life that God has called us to. It is not pacifism. It is the way we fight. It is the more excellent way. It's what the Apostle Paul would go on later to call the more excellent way of love. Judgment will come. This is very important. One of the reasons why it is so hard to fight this good fight, to follow in the footsteps of our mighty warrior king, Jesus, is because we struggle with feeling powerless. Prayer is very humbling because it is a radical acknowledgement that I am powerless to fix this, to see real justice done in my own strength. See, I believe there is something inherent to our human nature That we want the power. We want the power. But that's not the answer. They have the power. They abuse it. I get the power. I don't think I'm any better. I too will abuse it. Humans have always, and I believe always will, be tempted to abuse power. Which is why all power and authority belongs to the true king. Belongs to Jesus. And judgment will come. Judgment will come. Let me finish by reading. Again, this is actually the Apostle Paul writing in his second letter to the Thessalonians. He's commending them uh, because they're a church that has, has been experiencing extreme oppression. Paul is commending them for their steadfastness and their faith. And he says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, In all your persecutions and the afflictions that you are enduring, this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. There will be a time of just judgment. Justice will be done. There will be a time of affliction. There will be a time of relief. There will be a time of punishment. Judgment will come. Sometimes it comes in this life in part, but it will absolutely come on an eternal scale at the time of the harvest at the right time, at the appointed time, when God's patience has finally come to an end, he says, that's it, no more. It is time to undo evil once and for all. I will pull up the weeds. I'm sending my angels to reap a harvest and the weeds will be thrown into the fire. Justice will be done. We do not have to grasp for power because all power and authority belong to God. He's the only one able to perfectly execute justice. Our role is to fight, to fight using the weapons that he's entrusted to us to bless our enemies, to pray for our enemies, to love our enemies, and to see the Spirit of God do what no man can or ever will be done, not in my strength, not in your strength, not in any riot not in any protest and i'm not being political i'm just saying that christian brother and sister go protest if you got to protest okay i don't want to get political i want to bring the attention back to jesus i want us to fix our eyes on jesus because apart from him we can do nothing nothing he's the only one with the power with the power and authority to actually see justice done and in the meantime, we fight with a holy aggression using the weapons that he has put in our hands. And we cry out for those who persecute us. We ask for mercy on behalf of the merciless because that's what Jesus has done for us. That's what Jesus has done for us. His grace is so good, his patience, his mercy. He is the answer. He is our hope. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, help us. Help us to trust you. You have all of the power and authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you send us to go and make disciples baptizing lost sons and daughters, welcoming home those who are once enemies, teaching everyone to obey what you have taught us, teaching us the way of love, teaching us the way of grace, knowing that justice will come. Help us, Lord, to trust you. Lord, I even pray for, for every one of us Lord, who is engaging in the civic arena. Lord, who is engaging in politics, who is voting, who is, who is um, um, protesting, who is engaging in all these things with these practical outworkings of your grace and of love. Father, won't you give us wisdom? I want you help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, knowing that ultimately you are the one who brings peace. It is in your presence that we find our freedom. And we thank you for that. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. I uh, reckon I've probably um, left at least one or two sort of loose ends. There's probably some lingering questions. There, there might even be some thoughts. What did he mean by this? And what, what, what is the implication of that? I appreciate your, um, your grace towards me. I understand in a time like this, where there is so much pain and, um, and just emotion to, to process, we need to bear with one another. We need to be gracious towards one another. I'm asking you to be gracious towards me um, as a pastor, trying to articulate something from God's word, trying to be faithful to God's word. And I want us to be gracious towards one another. This is not the time to start pointing fingers at each other this is the time to listen this is the time to seek understanding um, so please brothers and sisters um, my prayer is that we would be we would be uh, gentle towards one another we would be respectful towards one another as we all move forward together um, with eyes on Jesus I love you cannot wait to be together um, have a great rest of your week see you